This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and today I'm joined by Erica. Thank you for having me again. And Jared. Here. (laughs) (laughs) He is, in fact, here in the studio. And today, our featured film of this month is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Kind of taking a little bit of a... We've been doing a lot of horror stuff lately. And say, it's, stepping stepping out of, I guess, our comfort zone? I guess. Definitely we had out op- of my comfort zone. <laughs> we had <laughs> options, but it, uh, yeah, it, maybe it was time. It's one of those things where where Erica is a big horror, per, almost exclusively horror. <laughs> um, shout out our 2021 best of list if you want some good horror content there. And then... I don't want to speak for Jared, but I feel like both of us are are pretty strong horror connoisseurs oh, as sure. well. And so, and Lexi, when she was on here, also a huge horror person. So I think we just, those are the ones that we happen to be a little bit more interested Certainly in. Certainly gravitate towards. Um, but yeah, so this week though, or this month we're doing Across the Spider-Verse. This is of course the the follow-up to, to 2018's uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And, or yeah, Into the Spider-Verse. And uh, we'll get into that, but we're going to start off with a few other smaller movies i guess they're all decent sized movies but definitely not spider-man to the the season we're in which is you know the summer movie season yes yes we're gonna we're gonna start uh with erica with sisu yes um so i got to see that it's opening weekend is a finnish film although um the version that that plays in the u.s has uh english language dubbed over it which works fine. It's like one of definitely one of the better dubbing jobs I've heard. Um, but I would say this is like just a very gooey, splattery um, action film that in some ways is a little bit John Wick-ish, just nonstop action. The hero just keeps surviving increasingly implausible injuries and, uh, you know, just situations that keep escalating. Um, I think the movie also has like really great production and costume design. Like everything just looks distressed and filthy and just gritty. It, that has a very realistic element to it. What isn't so realistic would be uh, how over the top the violence gets. Uh, and I would say that this is like a very like paper thin uh, plot or narrative. Like it's just this guy fighting Nazis a whole movie and and killing them and sometimes very outrageous but fun to watch ways if you like really violent action movies and it's also very gory for an action movie too i would say um I was relatively unfamiliar with this, but I did see one trailer, I think. I've seen the poster around, but mm-hmm. where the big thing that I took away from it is there's a thing that's like don't worry the dog survives or something oh. like oh, that. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that 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 is true. The dog does survive. <laughs> yeah, that was like a thing that they put on the nice. on the trailer. It's like they're going to put that on there. They're already ready kind of tipping their hat that it's probably kind of a a tongue-in-cheek kind of not taking ourselves too serious type of movie. I didn't know that this was originally in a different language and it's dubbed now. I just assumed that it was like just a movie that was coming out here. Yeah, I knew it was a foreign language film, but uh, until you just said it, Erica, I didn't even know it was dubbed because it is such, they do such a good job. Now, to be fair, it's not like there's a lot of lines of dialogue to be, uh, yeah, to be profuse uh, dramatically from Mm -hmm. the actors. It's like, yeah, 
Yeah, especially the lead character. Does does he even say anything until the last scene of the movie? (laughs) Like, there's very little. Yeah, very little dialogue. Only God forgives type of, or Mm. like a, like I just think of those. Like, how small are we talking in terms of dialogue? Or like, Uh, you know, like I know there was obviously going back to John Wick. There was much ado about how few lines Keanu Reeves had in the most recent Chapter Four that came out. This is definitely even less. Yes, I would agree with that. I think uh, probably the the Nazi characters have more dialogue than the hero does. But even then, it's not excessive. It's not going to be like Tarantino-type dialogue, you know, witty back and forth. It's like, nope, we're just going to... Get a lot of he breaks uh, up scenes. the violence with his dialogue. That's true. Right. Yeah. So this is basically like if you you know if you loved Inglorious Bastards but could do without all the Tarantino isms <laughs> yeah. and just want the Nazi beatings and killings, then here you go. There you yeah, go. that's a good that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, and so just to, just to chime in, I saw Sisu as well. It had been on my radar just because you know I really don't try to watch trailers. Um, I don't really read reviews too much, but I do just like to get a general gauge of like where things are falling. And so, you know, I've got Flixer on my phone, which gives me like Rotten Tomato scores. Um, Again, not, you know, claiming I live and die by aggregate sites, but as far as just seeing where people are falling, Sisu started showing up just because it was getting such great reviews uh, and just, you know, scoring remarkably high. So when it finally came out and, you know, people started talking about it. Uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't ignore it and wanted to go see it. So, yeah. And as Erica said, it is kind of bare bones. As I say, it's like distilled down to the uh, essence of basic storytelling. I mean, it's literally man finds gold. Nazis take gold. Man wants gold back. Lots of Nazis die. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is kind of it. And, you know, the whole title Sisu they try to explain in the kind of some opening credits describing it as like this untranslatable term in uh, Finland for just like grit and determination Mm -hmm. and overcoming a sense of like hopelessness. And yeah, it's uh, it is something remarkable to watch, Uh, you know, maybe to like drive back to our horror roots here. Um, what the main character in this movie goes through, basically, he is not unlike Michael Myers. I was about Jason to say Voorhees, <laughs> And other okay. slashers as far as what they're able to survive. I mean, seriously, like short of like being drawn and quartered, mm-hmm. he, 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 he survives a lot of like the same things that befall those okay. slasher villains. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, you know, uh, you can you can find some horror in in whatever you you want to find it in. I think uh, the movie, for the most part, kind of felt like a calling card for the director, though, uh, whose name I'm probably gonna butcher here. It's like Yelmari Hellender, and it, this isn't his debut film. He's done another movie that's kind of been on my radar from like 13 years ago called Rare Exports. With the same actor who I have seen uh, that mm-hmm. is the star of this movie. That guy's name is Yorma Tamila, I believe. But uh, yeah, this felt like a, a true like calling card for him. Like, hey, this is what I'm capable of. You know, with like all the stylization, the flourishes. You know, this movie is marked with chapter titles that get increasingly deteriorated to the point of just like nearly falling apart as the movie goes along. 
So it just puts a lot in there as far as showing off kind of like what he can do. It uh, it actually kind of felt a lot like uh, Gareth Evans arriving on the scene with the raid Redemption a while ago. And granted, that wasn't his first movie either, but it was more like a showcase of what he could do. So I'm pretty pretty excited as to like what uh, this you know Finnish filmmaker Hellender is going to do next, especially if it's a trajectory anywhere close to you know Gareth Evans, who yeah has a lifetime pass for me. So like overall though, so I, I'm seeing this movie is getting like it's a 96 percent on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. right now. Do you think that is because it is a really good movie or it's just a very crowd-pleasing movie? Eh, crowd-pleasing and well done, like well-crafted, you know, as far as the visuals and the yeah. things that <laughs> the main character goes through. It's well done. Yeah. Be- believable? Probably not. Yeah, def- definitely not. It becomes increasingly less believable as it goes on. But if you like a lot of action, a lot of... Um, like splattery action specifically it's like you're going to be entertained by it is if you're hoping for a lot of uh like complicated you know narrative or a lot of character development (laughs) or dialogue it doesn't have those things so i mean i think there's definitely a a place for that though in general Mm -hmm. and obviously people are responding to it is it still in theaters right now it might be in a few select theaters still Still playing, but I do know it's, uh, you know, as of this recording, it's going to be coming out here shortly, I think within a month. And there's a chance I might be picking it up just All because, right. yeah, some of that stuff is impressive. Well, that's Zisu. Sisu? Sisu. Yeah. Um, yeah, check it out if that sounds like something. You, I feel like if you if you hear that, you're going to know if you're going to like it or not. <laughs> so if that sounds like so, it's something that's appealing to you. Go check it out. Um, that's going to go to our uh, our next film that Jared's going to talk about, and that's Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Yeah. I don't know if there's like a harder turn for us than a movie like this. <laughs> not as much splatter violence, probably. Probably not. I'm guessing um, not nearly enough. Uh, you know, well, here's the thing. And, you know, I've listened to other people talk about this movie and, you know, seeing its praises, and I'll be in that chorus as well. It's, it's a dramedy that just doesn't, while dramedies still get made, they don't necessarily get released in theaters. Mm. And I think that's a big thing. And also, this is from a writer-director. This is her second feature, Kelly Fremont Craig, who I absolutely, you know, I am behind her in her corner 100% and just want to see her keep making movies. I think, you know, back in 2017, uh, rightfully so, everybody, you know, lauded and heralded Greta Gerwig with Lady Bird. Uh, that was her first solo feature, Mm -hmm. you know, writing, directing debut. And it was a stunner. It was really good. And I liked it. But, you know, just like a little over a year before Kelly Fremont Craig's first movie came out, which was The Edge of Seventeen. Also very good. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I loved that movie. And I just, you know, it felt like it was this kind of like undersung, like, you know, hero of the same genre that just kind of was like forgotten too quickly. But any chance I get to turn somebody on to that movie, I, I do because it's so good with Haley Steinfeld and Woody Harrelson and just, yeah. So um, her follow-up has been a long time in the making and it's with Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, you know, this beloved Judy Bloom t- uh, book from, you know, several decades ago that is an endured and, you know, been kind of like this hallmark, you know, novel of, you know, adolescent generations 
uh, time and time again. So I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, you know, the national poll was on this, whether people were worried she would screw it up or, you know, if there was like a general care. But from what I can tell, yeah, she really did did a remarkable job. And from everything I saw in it from, you know, the lead actress to the parents, you know, played by like Benny Safdie and Rachel McAdams. Oh, just uh, and Kathy Bates showing up in a smaller supporting role, you know, being pure Kathy Bates Mm -hmm. and delivering 100 percent. It is. It's just, uh, you know, this this remarkable movie that, uh, you know, it, it's it's poignant. It's so well done. And, yeah, I just you know, I, granted, you know, maybe I can't directly relate to the awkwardness and the embarrassment <laughs> of the uh, titular character, Margaret, going through puberty. But if it's anything like my viewing experience of like sitting in a theater with only two middle-aged women behind me uh, <laughs> watching this film, then maybe I've got like a small inkling of uh, of of what that is like. But yeah, no, it's I, I it may not have found an audience in uh, in theaters to like you know the biggest uh, extent of you know warranting more of these movies, but I hope it finds an audience elsewhere. And you know Kelly Fremont Craig, she's uh, She's a mentee of James L. Brooks, you know, kind of this titular writer producer for both, you know, film and television and a guy who could kind of do whatever he wants. The fact that he puts his weight behind someone like uh, Freeman Craig and supports her and gets her movies in theaters. I think that's using, you know, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And uh <laughs> That's, he's, there's he's so many there's so many calls you that we're talking about Haley Steinfeld or mm-hmm. Steinfeld she's in that great power great responsibility <laughs> we're just giving you little teasers here um, but yeah I mean James L Brooks for anyone who doesn't know I mean terms of endearment mm. broadcast news broadcast news um, as good as it gets yeah. sol- really good I mean even Spanglish is a pretty solid movie movie and television of- The Simpsons so yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. For some reason, I always forget that he's a, that he's attached. Yeah, to Yeah, Matt Groening, Sam Simon, and James L. Brooks. Those three developed it from Matt Groening's idea. Man, I always so. forget about that. He also produced Bottle Rocket, which I didn't realize yes, as well. Yeah. So, so again, he uh, eye for talent for sure. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I I'm seeing this one also is getting very good reviews. Unfortunately, yeah, it is. It it doesn't look like it's making that much money. Um, I, I was kind of unfamiliar, like I'm definitely familiar with the book, but like I was saying before we started, I didn't know that this movie was coming out until I happened to see it, like on a marquee or something like right. that. Um, but I mean, it's got a it's got a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes wow. yeah. right now. Nice. Um, so obviously, again, people are responding to it that mm. who are seeing it, and hopefully, it's one of those movies that. At least word of mouth can yeah, start like to a pick up. Life That's what this is for, yeah. right? This nice. is what this show <laughs> is all about: um, is shout out movies that people don't generally see, like Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but um, are did either of you read the book? Um, no, I don't no. think so. Yeah, I I didn't either. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure my sister did. Um, but I remember it in my school's library and things like that. Yeah. yeah, same here. But I think it, you know, like by the time I would have been in the age group that was marketed to, I was already reading Stephen King and H.P. <laughs> yeah, Lovecraft. Kind of pivoted into a different direction. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like um, we're not, and we're definitely not seeing that now, right? <laughs> not at all. No, it was just uh, it was a brief phase. 
Um, but is this, I, I would assume this is still in theaters as well, right? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's definitely losing screens left and right with each passing weekend to make more room for, you know, the onslaught of, uh, the summer movie season. So if you can, yeah. Check it out while you can. I feel like this will probably be a movie that will be on a streaming service relatively yeah. quickly, yeah. Um, just because it is it is IP. Mm-hmm. I mean it. I mean, even though it's not doing super well, <laughs> like it is an intellectual property that people will probably grab a hold of. Right. I still feel like we're still kind of making our way back to the theaters. Like the the big tentpole movies, I feel seem to do well, but some of right. those mid levels are still mm-hmm. struggling to get. Yeah, up there you know, and, and I, you know, as we've uh, professed ourselves as acolytes of horror, horror has maintained and done well over the years. Uh, horror and animation, I feel yeah. like those are always your your stalwarts. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go check that out in the theaters. If it's still there, I don't know <laughs> if it will be by the time this is out. Um, but that's, uh, are you there God? It's, it's me, Margaret. Um, and that'll go into our last film, uh, before our featured film, uh, which is Blackberry. Uh, this is the Matthew Johnson directed Canadian film. It's very Canadian. <laughs> um, which is the story of the meteoric rise and uh, catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. Um, This is about the BlackBerry. Um, If you're familiar with Matt Johnson, he has made a few different movies, um, both very small movies, uh, The Dirties and Operation Avalanche. Um, I was familiar because he had a show called Nirvana, The Band, The Show, which is a very funny show. Um, So I was familiar with him ahead of time and really liked his style. So um, the combination of that and then also being an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan, uh, Glenn Howerton, who plays Dennis, had been doing a lot of promotion for it as well. So um, it's it stars Glenn Howerton and Matt Johnson as well as Jay Baruchel in one of a – in pretty much the lead role of the movie. They kind of all split – kind of a lead role, especially Glenn and, and Jay. Um, but there's some also some pretty fun, smaller characters. Carrie Elwes is in there for a little bit. Nice. Um, Saul Rubinek is in it for a little bit. Um, so some some kind of, oh, I recognize, kind of that guys uh, pop in, pop in, uh, in and out. And I loved this movie. I thought it was very good. Uh, it has a very documentary style, um, which I feel like, a lot of these kind of these types of movies, these kind of biopics about more recent history stuff, think like yeah. like big short style stuff, where it's a lot of like uh, like moving cameras and stuff like that, handheld stuff. But uh, that's also been something that's in the Matt Johnson movies in the past. Mm. Um, it's also very pop culture forward. There's a lot of references in it, which is kind of fun. It's just a little little. Like they're playing, they have like big video games in their office the whole time. And they're like making Raiders of the Lost Ark references all the time. (laughs) And it's really fun to kind of keep you engaged. But the thing that I really loved is it's a great view of the tech world versus the business world and how that mindset can be kind of clashing with one another. Um, Because you've got all these like nerdy engineers that all they want to do is like 
play doom and like make movie references and they have like movie like weekly movie night and they're like it's bad luck to work on movie day or something like that (laughs) and they're all these like really nerdy guys and then glenn howerton's character is this like very stern businessman who comes in to kind of right the ship a little bit to kind of because they're kind of getting pushed over by a lot of people um and they can't get their product going and he's the one that kind of like I'm going to call the business and I'm going to tell them like, this is what you have and you have to do it and kind of propels them to this giant height. And, um, actual, somebody also forgot Michael Ironside comes in also later in the movie. And he's also another guy that is very intimidating like that. Like you guys can't be having fun at work type of (laughs) business mentality and seeing that clash of those two mindsets. Um, but it's pretty, it's, it's pretty wild how fast they rise to fame and how fast they fall apart too. And that's very emblematic of the pacing of this movie too. It just moves and moves and moves um, to the point where if you're not paying close enough attention, you'll kind of lose track of how far into the future they've gone. It's kind of emblematic of the building that they're in, I guess, because you see their offices kind of get a little bit bigger. Um, but like I said, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I have a feeling it might be – it'll probably be on my end of the year list. Oh, um, right. But we'll see how – I mean we're just going to be getting into the like Academy movies here in not too long. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. Were either of you familiar with this movie? Prior to this recording, just a bit because I listened to an interview with Matt Johnson uh, who I was – completely unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a few headlines about this just because of Glenn Howerton mm-hmm. and his transformation for this role in particular and how it's just kind of a terrible shaved head in this movie. Okay. Does, I was going to say, yeah, he's completely <laughs> bald on top. <laughs> okay. Let me preface. It doesn't look bad in terms of like them setting the stage. It's just that hair in general just doesn't. <laughs> the tend man to look was great. blessed with some good natural locks. So <laughs> is it just too hard to buy him as a man suffering from extreme male pattern baldness? Probably. I think that's more of what it is. And as somebody who likes to listen and watch the it's always sunny podcast. (laughs) There were periods of time where he had been shooting the movie. Well, I was going to say when he's shooting the movie, but also recording the podcast. And so he has the bald head while they're (laughs) shooting the podcast. Um, But I will say this role is perfect for someone who plays Dennis Reynolds because he does a lot of yelling, like, do you know who I am? Like type Mm. of (laughs) type of stuff that I think really comes out in, in Glenn Howerton just as an actor in general though. You know, on the big screen, I don't know about either of you. He's done several other movies. The most memorable one for me is his supporting role in The Strangers. That's the one I always think of is him in The Strangers. Yeah. A movie that has like, six total people in it basically (laughs) so i suppose it's probably easy to be memorable in that and where like half those people just wear masks Mm -hmm. the whole time and he's really only in it for five minutes maybe yep small part but yeah that's the one i always think of as well i mean is there any other movies that you guys have seen him in um apparently yeah (laughs) i'm I'm sure i have Uh, he's he has a small role in the hunt 
I don't know if you guys saw The Hunt. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, yes, that's true. I did funny see that. that. Yeah. And then he was also in a movie. Shout I, out to Betty Gilpin. Yeah, she's great. Um, I, I'm i a big uh, college humor guy. I grew up with college mm-hmm. humor. They put out a movie called Coffee Town about 10 years ago, and it stars him and um, Ben Schwartz and Josh Groban and Steve Little from – Eastbound and Down, mm. and it's very funny. But you don't really see a lot of mainstream movies with Glenn Howerton. Yeah, feel like. he was in you... the Crank movies, and I missed both of those. Oh, oh! So. I hi. If you haven't seen the Crank movies, those Neville are Dean wild. and Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> I've. It's it's weird. Like I'm very familiar with those directors and everything they've done. Just uh, big Ghost Rider guy. Uh gosh, what was that one? He uh, did the, Ghost, they did, he the, did the second, second one. Yeah, they did the second one. Ghost Rider, Spirit, uh, Spirit of, Vengeance. of Vengeance. Yeah, yeah. And then they did Gamer. Oh, That's I right. They did do Gamer. But the side pod for yeah. <laughs> Neville Dean. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but anyway, so you said you're somewhat familiar. Had mm-hmm. you heard of this, Erica? No, it, I. It wasn't remotely on my radar, actually. That, which I think is not super uncommon, though. Right. I mean, again, it, we're kind of riding the same trend of. Movies that are getting high praise. This movie currently has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, also losing yeah. money. Yes. So uh, apparently that's the theme of our pre-featured film segment is just movies that don't make a ton of money but seem to be very well liked. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But this one I rented on Amazon. So oh, okay. So – it it is ah, okay. on it is on Amazon. It is a a cheaper rental though. It's like six, it's bucks. six bucks. The five ninety nine. It's the yeah. five ninety nine yeah. one. So it's it's a pretty easy easy rental. It's like a cool two hours like on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I would definitely recommend it. Um, you'll probably be seeing it later this year or early next year. But we will we'll have to see about that. Yeah, based on what you said and just you know having listened to the director talk, really really good, smart guy, uh, mm-hmm. pretty humble too. It's one that I'm going to be regularly checking probably the streamers for. If it hit, if it hits Redbox and Redbox is still around. <laughs> Shout out Redbox. Because you know what? Week by week, I'm just like, you still have that Redbox? I'm going to check this movie out. There are multiple Redbox machines on the Walgreens on my way home from work to my to my house. And periodically, I'll be like, Standing let's strong. just stop by and we'll see what's <laughs> in there. Um, I actually checked to see if this was in Redbox <laughs> before I looked to see if it was on Amazon. So unfortunately, not yet, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, but yeah, that's Blackberry. So let's just get into our featured film then. That's uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, this is a this is a sequel, as I said, and it basically picks up. Does it say how? It's a long, few years. A few after years after the original. So he's so Miles Morales has been Spider-Manning for <laughs> some been time. The local neighborhood friendly Spider-Man in his area now. Mm-hmm. And. It basically, I, I feel like this movie kind of shifts a little bit in that mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld's yeah, character you, you is started all, by talking is, about Miles, but this movie decidedly well, the opening the scene. Yeah. The opening scene is uh, is Spider Woman. Yeah, so it almost felt like she ended up being more of the main character in this movie. At, at least, a at or at least yeah. a, yeah. a share mm-hmm. type. Like there are two different storylines mm-hmm. that they're going on kind of share together 
Um, so first reactions, Erica and I, we went and saw this together with Lexi mm-hmm. the other night. So what was your initial reaction and you had never seen into the spider-verse i had not prior to like within the last couple weeks yeah i i made a point of watching that like a day or two before we saw the new one in the theater just just i'd be up to date on and i was like very pleasantly surprised because like full disclosure i've never been really into superhero movies or the like their comic book you Mm. know inspiration or source material i should say and because comic books were just never encouraged in my household when I was a kid. And um, so it's like, I'm didn't familiar. Didn't sneak any like EC comics, Tales from the Crypt. I, I mean, I, I, it's not that I didn't want to. <laughs> they just weren't really super available for sure. me. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, I was familiar with a lot of the popular um, superheroes just because you'd see them kind of all, you know, all over pop culture. So I kind of just, I knew like the main ones and like a general sense of their backstory. But Definitely not the minutia of like their, you know, our whole character arc over mm-hmm. decades, and then like the weird little mm. spinoff, you know, comic series that would come out of those. So, did you have No Way Home in your top ten list? I don't think I saw it. I did. I know that did was you have it at number one. Yeah, it was my number For one. For some reason, okay. I thought you you had. A, did you have a superhero movie in your top ten last year? Erica always has like a surprise. You or had like I a had surprise. Puss, I had Puss in Boots this last year. Um, Puss in Boots is year. basically a superhero movie. <laughs> but, uh, well, hey, Puss in yeah. Boots. You can see the influence of Into the Spider Verse's art style. You know, being mm. directly translated onto something like Puss in Boots. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. But sorry, to yeah, yeah. so did you enjoy it though? Um, so I, I did really enjoy the first film, and then I do have some issues with the second film that are kind of a lot to get into. But um, so maybe something to uh, I'm gonna have to like wait for break spoilers. It down. Some of it will be spoilers, but okay. I mean, as far as other than it just maybe not being my favorite genre or whatever, mm. um. I, a lot of my complaints about this film are similar to my complaints about Terrifier 2. Um, not saying that we cannot escape horror movies. Here, no, folks. I'm not There's saying a that huge <laughs> musical number in the middle. No. A 20 minute long dream sequence. No, fortunately not that um, no dead possums, none of that stuff. Um, but it's, it's still a very long movie with a lot of dangling plot threads that it's like, you know, they're saying it up for movie part three, but mm-hmm. That will hopefully, yeah. But I think they, I think it was already advertised. They've they've announced a two part sequel or something. So I was like, I don't think I'm really spoiling anything with that. But it's it's not so blatant Uh, as mission. That they're gonna do another (laughs) Spider Man movie. What (laughs) I know. Whereas like Mission Impossible is over there being like Dead Reckoning Part One. Yeah, Part Two's coming, folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't say. (laughs) So it's it's like it's one of those things which I mean I won't go into some of this until we get to the spoiler section, but it, it's like, I just, for, for saying through a long movie, I just wanted it to feel like it had more of a sense of closure. I'll put it that way for now. Mm. That's okay. fair. Yeah. Jared? Uh, yeah, so while you all went together, I shared with you all off mic that this would be the first movie I was going to take my daughter to. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, that's right. yeah. Um. And also, we were originally talking like, uh, what are we going to do on this podcast? And it's like Little Mermaid, maybe? There wasn't a lot of stuff that was really jumping yes. out to and us. And so it was like, yeah, I guess as far as big movies are concerned, there's the Little Mermaid. 
And yeah, I wasn't uh, keen on that. And so I, it's also a little, I guess, ironical that uh, the first movie I take my daughter to isn't The Little Mermaid, <laughs> uh, which would probably be more fitting, but rather <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which may have been more of a daddy pick. But <laughs> at home, we did just recently watch Into the Spider-Verse and they thoroughly enjoyed it. So I was like, hey, this is a win-win. Uh, it's a movie I want to see. It's a movie, you know, she's now familiar with and it's rated PG. So don't have to really worry about too much. And, uh, that's all I knew. Cause again, I try to avoid spoilers, reviews, things like that. Did not realize this was a two hour and mm-hmm. 20 minute movie. So yeah, that's, uh, that's asking a bit much of a five-year-old girl, but to this film's credit, you know, if you're going to take a kid to a movie, there's a reason why animated movies work so well. Mm-hmm. They're colorful, they're vibrant to look at. And if you're going to sit for two hours and 20 minutes looking at a movie, this movie, you can get, I mean, you can't do better than this. This movie does not lack stimuli for sure. No I, kidding. I was going to, yeah. There's, talk about uh, that too. <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there was a series of video essays done by two guys, uh, Taylor Ramos and Tony Zhao from several years ago called Every Frame a Painting. Hmm. And, uh, you know, just that title always like it kind of embodied this like sense of like great composition and true like artistic expression with cinematography where, yeah, you could take any still of a movie and hang it on a wall. And watching this movie with every single shot just so alive with color and movement, sometimes even during like the quietest scenes, like it just works, you know, whether, you know, it's like uh, it could be like hung in like a dorm room or part of like a mood board, you know, frame example or just like truly framed as a piece of art. It totally works like every single shot in this movie. So, you know, I may not fully understand beyond a general, you know, comprehension of what they're trying to do with art style as far as like mimicking like kind of like old comic book uh, layouts, designs and color tones and things like that. I know the references are deeper. But the beauty is still there to appreciate nonetheless to, I'd say, anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So it looked incredible and did hold my daughter's interest. Now, during some of the slower parts, character development, we'll say, she was a little bit more interested in the um, adjustable seat recliner. (laughs) Fairly certain she broke it. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, uh, that's going to happen eventually. But she never once was like, this is boring. I want to go home. Or when is this going to be over? So that's a testament to this movie as well. And yeah, there's a part, as Erica alluded to, where, you know, the first hour is like, they've done it again. Like, this this is incredible. They are doubling down. Um, I love this. But, you know, while I was aware that I was watching this with a five-year-old girl and kind of clocking the time, part of me was also kind of clocking the story versus the plot. Mm-hmm. And I could see this bigger story that they were telling. And I was like, oh, this is great. But then at a certain point, I'm also like, yeah, but the plot's not keeping up with it. Like, mm-hmm. are, like, are we going to like hit warp speed here soon? Or soon? And like, where are we going? I think this is going to be a movie that, you know, being able to revisit it, you know, not worrying about my daughter and understanding what they were going for more so, I'm going to enjoy it and appreciate it so much more as the years go on and the and the viewings progress. Yeah, I think this movie will definitely benefit when the next part comes out mm-hmm. because um, just a, <laughs> a little insight to our viewing experience. I went to the bathroom 
And when I got back, the movie was over because I did not realize that the movie was wrapping up. Uh, so I, I was like, geez, this movie is very long, but I've had to go to the bathroom for a long time. We have this new plot that's just getting introduced. I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick and I'll be back. And I walk back into the theater and the credits, <laughs> the credits are rolling. <laughs> and I was like, uh, obviously, uh, there's a cliffhanger here, um, which we can get into that into this when we get into the spoiler section. Um, I just, I, I, Kind of echo both of you in kind of my feelings as well. Um, shout out to all of these am- animators. I mean, biggest the, animation crew ever. Apparently, the yeah, I, I mean, I that. can imagine um, the amount of different styles and mm-hmm. techniques that are in this movie. I mean, it was in the first one for sure, mm-hmm. but this one is just like cranked up even higher. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive to see the amount of different things that they were able to incorporate into this movie. Um, and and that's that's the probably the main thing that I really appreciated about this. Um, I did feel though as if every scene goes on a little bit longer than it needed to. Every mm-hmm. every action scene is stretched maybe a few minutes longer than I would than I would have liked to. Um, and because of that, because of the animation styles, I think it sometimes can muddy the screen up a little bit. Yeah. There's a yeah. scene later in the movie where there's. I don't think this is a spoiler because you kind of see it in the trailer. There's a lot of different Spider-Men mm-hmm. and they're all like running around and doing stuff and it can get a little bit confusing to the eye at times. <laughs> it's very, yeah, visually busy where it's oh, like yeah. there's so many animation styles just in one one single frame you know, or shot of this movie that it's like, yeah, it's it's a little overwhelming at times. Yeah, and, and because each scene is a little bit long, like I almost enjoyed the one like there's a, they go to is it Mumbai Manhattan? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Mumbai and yeah, Manhattan, Manhattan mixed together, and I really enjoyed that because you get to see these other animated characters, but you're in kind of one world that kind mm-hmm. of shares this one style, mm-hmm. um, and so I think it pops a little bit better in that degree. When you're mixing all of these other ones together, it just kind of blends together, um, and then there's kind of there's that was mainly my biggest issue with it. Um, but overall I thought it was a very well-made movie. Um, I mean, I was engaged, so that obviously Mm. means something and I will be seeing the next one. So like it did its (laughs) job. Um, but, but yeah, is there anything anyone wanted to say before we get into the spoiler section? Um, you know, I'll just give like a big old shout out to, you know, the voice cast. Um, yeah, we haven't even talked about anybody. Shamik Moore. As Miles Morales is mm. incredible. Like he, he, you know, is a live action actor and has many mm. credits to his name, but his voice alone, it's the the tone and the timbre that embody just what it's like to be a kid, because he does like he does playful, he does flippant, he does funny, he does awkward, he does sad, and like every time he screams, which is mm-hmm. many. I yeah. always had me laughing. Yeah. So he's just a phenomenal voice actor. Like, you know, he's a good looking guy, but truly his best feature and instrument is his voice. If you like him, I would definitely recommend the movie Dope. Yeah, that's um, that was my very first good movie. That same here. Um, but yeah, if you like him in this, definitely check him out in that. Um, he I think he's the one that really stands out to me in this. Yeah. Acting-wise, everybody's the, good. It's a murderer's row of talent. Oh, yes. oh, yeah, again, yeah, crazy. we already said like Haley Steinfeld. You know, shout out again, Edge of Seventeen. We've got Is uh, Ray. 
We've got mm-hmm. Brian Tyree Henry. Um, Hershela Ali comes back as Uncle Aaron. Uh, Jake Johnson. Yeah, Jake Johnson back yeah. as Peter B. Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, like, spoiler alert, totally it's my plan to be Peter B. Parker for Halloween with my, <laughs> with my, with my with baby your... daughter. Nice, so, nice. Good call. Anyways, but yeah, newcomer Jason Schwartzman as... This kind of like I, obscure villain. I have some thoughts yeah, about him that was, we can get into on in the spoiler section. I was section. thinking, yeah, he might be more of a spoiler discussion, but sure. yeah, very interesting. Well, his his intro is pretty early on as mm-hmm. far as like Miles just doing his neighborhood Spider-Man thing, stopping, as he dubs him, like a villain of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's pretty, very entertaining, this whole fight scene inside of a bodega. But um, yeah, we've got Oscar Isaac. Uh, he's in there. Shout out Oscar Isaac. I think he is very good in this too. Yes. Yes. Who was a a bigger role than I was anticipating him being. When looking at the credits, he's kind of far down on the credits. (laughs) Um, but we can get into his character also. Um, And as, um... For, you know, oh gosh! Also, we Daniel, have Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya as Kaluuya right, is yeah. probably my favorite one. In this. I, I yeah, honestly cool favorite character. new edition. Probably thought that was uh, Richard Awadi uh, from the IT oh, crowd. Yeah, okay. so, but mm-hmm. I was like, it sounds like somebody who. Not saying Richard Awadi is not cool, but Daniel Kaluuya is mm-hmm. just. Yeah. I mean, cooler. and this character is like the embodiment of cool, yes. though. Yeah, and I like, absolutely love that. That's st- it's like that's- cutout style. Yeah, yeah, Again, yeah. Just so so much going on. Um, and then, um, Indian Spider Man. I forget what his name was, but the the actor is Karan Sony, who has been in many things. This is his second. Oh, he's the Deadpool guy. Yeah, I was just gonna he? say this yeah. is his second fra- uh, Marvel franchise that he's yes. appearing in. So yeah, he's the taxi driver from Deadpool. And yeah, that's what I'll always just has, probably think. He of just brings as. such great energy to the you know that character. Mm-hmm. Um. Erica, anything before we get into spoilers? um, You guys like touched on a lot of the stuff I was going to mention, like just the the variety of like animation styles and visual styles. And sometimes they throw in a little live action in a few scenes and a a reference to like the Lego movies, which I thought was fun because I I do like the Lego movies. Same here. I I actually (laughs) wish there would have been more. Like they they kind of tease it and they even like when they cut back to him and he's like, delivering information back to like spider spider-man hq they're like mm-hmm. you're one of the best i was like <gasps> more i Maybe know i was hoping the next that movie that would yeah yes, I, I would be probably. down for a lego spider-man movie that would be rad um but yeah i was the one i was the most excited about was spider cat spider cat oh, yes. we'll see if spider cat <laughs> keeps making or and makes yeah another I, I have to say he did not get enough screen time i think this could have been like a really great performance with a potentially very tragic backstory that i want to see <laughs> developed in part speaking of tragic yes. backstory the andy samberg <laughs> one too i don't remember which spider-man that was but he's the one that's just like crying the whole time oh, oh yeah yes. i guess and that... they're like let me guess you had a tragic yeah, death the, in your uh, family the, the therapist's office that's it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah I, the, the, one, the one who was like kind of emo where he's just like overwhelmed yes. with everything. I guess that was like an actual 90s Spider-Man character that was really widely hated. Like I don't I don't know enough about all these yeah, different versions, but I had to like look up some reviews by people who were big fans, you know, like like nerd level fans of the whole Spider-Man and know, franchise. Scarlet yeah. Spider is his name. I looked oh, it up. Oh, yeah. Okay, there, and so. there's Spider-Rex. There's a literal yeah, T-Rex. Yeah, I was going to say which, the T-Rex is another one I want to see And towards the end, my daughter gave that a shout-out. So, again, <laughs> testament to being engaged the whole time. 
There you, there you go. I also wanted to say, um, fun little Donald Glover. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. cameo as well in live action as a. Is, 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 do they say which villain he's supposed to be? Well, he's Uncle Aaron, uh, from oh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. So you know he okay. would he theoretically should become the Prowler in the Tom Holland universe. Okay. Of Spider-Man films, but that's never come to fruition and yeah. they never developed it is which is sad because yeah it's Donald Glover he's great and he gets to be in it for just like <laughs> a, a brief moment yes. but I think this is probably a good time just to get into spoilers mm-hmm. um, so we'll listen to the bumper and then we'll get into the spoiler section Can it really be that simple secret lies with Charlotte open the pod bay doors hell I'm sorry Dave I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Here are those keys, Rose. You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Silent breathe these people! Greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. All right, we're back with the spoilers for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, what would you say is the biggest spoiler for this movie? Um, I think for the me, ending or well, no the ending. whole concept of, well, yeah, the fact that the ending isn't really an ending, it's setting up the next film, but um, this whole plot that's introduced later on about canon events, you can't disrupt yeah, the canon such events. Very- interesting concept for a superhero franchise it, it is it's like oh you have to have like the superhero's uncle die that's a canon event you can't intervene in that but then i thought well with like for instance spider cat which is just a normal cat who has superpowers <laughs> like what are they saying that, the spider cat <laughs> are they saying that the spider cat's uncle was a police captain and was murdered like i'm trying to follow this this thread of logic sure. what are the canon events in uh spider cat's universe that's I, yeah that's the movie i want it, to see it's, next. A, it's a little bit muddy because sometimes there's like oh it has to just be a death in the fam like because they they make reference to um the uncle dying mm-hmm. like it can be an uncle but then they also talk about like the police captain character having to die or the whatever and it's like shouldn't uh, Miles's uncle just be that canon event. Like, why does it have yeah, to also right. be his right. dad? Right. Like, they do show, I guess, in they do show live action footage of the Andrew Garfield movie yes, in that do. scene as mm-hmm. well, and that's a that's the uh, Gwen Stacy's dad that, she, that right that he's yes, mourning. Yes. Uh, so that would be the Dennis the captain Leary. Dennis Leary. Because um, I guess in, in that movie, they don't have Uncle Ben dying, right? right. It's just the Tobey Maguire one where yeah. Uncle Ben dies. But I think they they also make reference to that as well. So, like, yeah, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man didn't have to have a sergeant death in his family to be a proper canon. And if... If the if the uh, Andrew Garfield universe is in this one, then also and he's also in the Tom Holland universe, then all of those Spider Men are all interconnected. They, are, they with allude one to uh, Tom Holland's universe as well too when they talk about uh, you know the the Wizard guy and all that. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a little bit muddy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But but I mean, it's it's a very interesting story. I I think to me, we have the fact really that the real villain, the plot yet is it can, can true. We, can we even do that? Can we make it make sense to anybody unfamiliar? with I, this? I looked up the plot for the for this movie just like on IMDb and stuff okay. like that. And what does it say? I mean, it's it. So the the plot says. Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged catapults, with protecting. Really? They couldn't go with swings? I know, right? <laughs> charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. Now, that's a pretty generic mm-hmm. yeah, thing, I, but they're it's not hard wrong, to but... say what it is because as to go into, we were talking about Jason Schwartzman's character mm-hmm. with the spot. I actually really enjoyed that character. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. He's kind of abandoned later in the movie. There, yeah, there are like a they... large swaths of this movie where main or major characters yeah. drop out. I He's kind of a red herring, essentially, right. as I, the uh, villain of the movie. At yeah. least I, I think they're saying he him is, up but to then be he <laughs> maybe the big bad of the next one. Like they, they definitely develop him to where he's like going to become this potentially multiverse breaking threat. Because, right. But, uh, but as the movie progresses, the the um the the Oscar Isaac character yeah. essentially becomes the villain yeah. of the movie a and little bit yes it, it, it's interesting because it's it's kind of the spot is the first villain and then it becomes Miguel and then super spoilers at the very end of the movie you basically find out that that our Spider-Man that we've been watching is now in a pre in a different universe which i guess that's a big spoiler Mm -hmm. so yeah that probably is it's you know it's like one of those like switcheroos where one of the themes of the movie you know for me was this thought that's spoken out loud early on uh miles is running late uh to a meeting with the school counselor with his parents um in attendance and he's late because yeah he's doing battle with the spot uh at a bodega Anyways, they're talking about like, you know, his potential, but his shortcomings and Mm. they actually say, you know, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And he busts through the door and says something to the effect of, you know, unless you have two cakes, (laughs) which does come back later in the movie. Yeah, both literally and figuratively, too, because, yeah, he brings two cakes to his dad's party. Both cakes are ruined, mm-hmm. which is really also which that was a, a funny reveal yes, too. It's totally a funny reveal because of he, the, like, is he trying to tell them that he's Spider Man on the cakes or something like well, that? Is that like be not or not proud or well, something? So but. I think she's writing this big this big message because I think he's trying to like say that he's Spider Man and she's like <laughs> I can't write rambling, that much yeah. or whatever. And then <laughs> when it gets all messed up and he brings it over and they open up the thing, it says like I'm not proud or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so yeah. I don't know if that's like weird foreshadowing because, yeah, at the end of the movie, where we get to with the multiverse and everything is the fact that his dad, who at that party has been promoted to Captain uh, Morales, um, he is, you know, for a canon event, he is going to like die in two days. And Miles cannot go back to his universe to stop that. Otherwise, you know, through the tragic backstory of Miguel, um, of what he did when he interfered with canon event, you know, Miles's whole universe, you know, is in peril and could just uh, collapse into itself and destroy. So, which we start to see in the Mumbai hat yeah, yeah, universe Mumbai, as yeah. well. Yes. So again, like and, and Miles. Miles is bucking against that as all the Spider-Men are trying to stop him. 
he is, you know, again, trying to have his cake and eat it too. And that's like the, where the cliffhanger kind of leads us is if he'll be able to do that. Because yes, as we've said, he gets transported not back to his Earth, but Earth 42, which is where the spider that bit him in the first movie was from, infecting his DNA. The machine that sends him back reads him as being from Earth 42. Because of that, that's where he goes, where it's revealed that uh, not only is there no Spider-Man there, but it was his father, not his uncle, who has died. And he himself in that universe has taken up the mantle of the Prowler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like there was supposed to be a Peter Parker mm-hmm. in 42, but because the spider somehow got into his universe, that universe is now missing their Spider-Man, and, and his, thus the city has kind of crumbled into <coughs> this Gotham City-esque yeah. style. You know, not to like uh, talk about other multiverses and everything, but Back to the Future Part 2, it's like 1985, the uh, dark, yeah. the dark uh, times. Where, where like Biff is running yeah, and everything. Yeah, Biff is running and, and yeah. Streets are on fire. (laughs) I mean, it's in a big theme throughout the movie is just like, or both for that matter, is this whole um, kind of his dad being like, oh, Spider-Man is a vigilante. I don't agree with your with your the way that you do things. But like I can work with you type of thing. And this is basically saying like a world without Spider-Man would fall into chaos, though. Mm. So it's like kind of weighing out what is best for for each of these worlds. And because of. Miles Morales not being a part of 42, it's kind of allowed that world to fall apart, um, which I think should really lead into a, a fun next movie. Mm-hmm. We'll see about that. Um, are there any other spoilers with this? Um, trying to think. <laughs> there was just a know. lot going on. There's a lot it. going on in this movie. <laughs> um, I th- One other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, just to see what your opinion was, is I want to talk about the watercolor. In, oh, yeah, those scenes were really beautiful, I thought. Uh, I thought those in – which world is that? It, it That's the in, Spider-Woman it, world. Yeah, in Gwen's, Gwen's uh, world. Yeah. Universe. Um, something I thought was really interesting is that's the only world where the background kind of is – ever changing mm-hmm. yes as opposed to the other ones and i i it was one of those things where i was like this probably is supposed to be a metaphor for something but i also was like why don't they acknowledge that their background is moving while everyone else's isn't i guess maybe that's just a nitpicky thing but i don't know there's these really f- cool looking sequences mm-hmm. where um gwen and her dad are kind of having this heart to heart where he's like i quit the force because I essentially lost faith in the justice system kind mm-hmm. or like I couldn't turn you yeah, in. I couldn't arrest my own daughter. I couldn't arrest my own daughter. So because I just she reveals aside. herself to be spider woman, spider Gwen to her dad. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the background is like melting essentially with mm-hmm. watercolor. And I thought it was a really it's cool dripping, thing. I was like, yeah. it's kind of a, I mean, it's, it's cool. I guess I don't know how that works into the universe, but with, when you have this, this much art and this much creativity. Who really cares? I, I was guess. enjoying the eye candy, Jake. Not questioning it. <laughs> I'm just being nitpicky. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, but there are things about it that I had to say. Sure. Um, and yeah, and again, it is. It's it's two hours and twenty minutes without a full resolution. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts with Gwen um, at band practice with the Mary Janes, mm-hmm. which I thought was fun. Great. Yes. Um, and she ultimately like. It's that band. 
And she brings it all back together at the very end because she is going on a quest to save Miles, realizing, you know, what's at stake. And she has now found her band as you see all the these other spider people gather alongside her. You got Peter B. Parker. Um, you got uh, Neo Spider-Man. The, the uh, ones from the first yeah, one. All... And then a few that have decided to join. Right. Um, from this newest one, which is also fun that the Daniel Kaluuya one is also like a punk rocker yep. too. So it's like he's joining <laughs> her band and he's yes. got this guitar the whole time too. Yep. Yep. But, but yeah. um, yeah. And you know, you know what, before anybody listening, you know, gets upset that I lumped back to the future into a multiverse category. <laughs> if you want to keep it strictly into time travel and nowhere near comic book movies, that's fine too. But uh, I mean, you know what? That, that movie's that kind movie, of a multiverse That movie. movie deals with canon events that cannot be, you know, disrupted <laughs> should the fabric of time undo itself altogether. It's, it's basically a butterfly effect style yeah, of storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first movie is is essentially that plot where if you change something, then the future won't, right. yeah. won't happen the way it's supposed to. Uh, any final thoughts about this? I ha- I did posit a question to them before we started recording. Oh yeah. Um, but I wanted to see if anyone had any final thoughts about this before we move on to that. Um, gosh. Yeah. You know, we are, I feel like if, if the multiverse is, is real, if you believe in that, then let's be thankful we live in on this version of earth with these movies. Cause you know, it's a kind of a rare achievement in, the glut of superhero movies we're inundated with uh, nonstop to get something this, you know, dense, but still enjoyable. This, you know, Marvel, the MCU in particular, takes a lot of uh, shots for the way it looks and just kind of this blandness of colors and mm-hmm. just this muddy look that perpetuates every single outing. Uh, you can't say that about the Spider-Verse movies um, and just endless creativity. And you know, this, this is an animated movie. Yeah. It's PG. So it's like all systems go green lights for, you know, f- kids and families, <laughs> but probably it's a much <clears throat> older audience. That's going to appreciate this mm-hmm. on so many more levels. So I'm just grateful. Yeah. Just that's grateful. very, very nice <laughs> thing to say, Erica, anything from you? Um, I just really want more Spider Cat. That's, that's <laughs> if there's wish. anything you can take away from this episode, it's more Spider Cat. Um, <laughs> I think I've kind of shared all that I was gonna say, but I, I threw it out to them. So this is the tenth of the modern Spider-Man movies. I would say. Put I almost said live screen. action, but obviously that's not the case. So the Tobey Maguire, <laughs> the Andrew Garfield the Tom Holland and, and the spider verse. And I was going to see, what are your top three of those movies? And Erica, you've only Erica, seen you've three. Only so I've only so seen rank three. those three. Um, so I've seen, it's been such a long time. I don't uh, really remember a lot of it, but I saw the, the first Sam Raimi directed one. Um, and then I've obviously seen the, the two animated ones, like Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse. I'd probably have to go with um, Into the Spider-Verse at number one, um, maybe the Sam Raimi one at number two, and then this one at number three, but I can reassess it when part three comes out because um, I just need to see how they tie up all those plot threads that were left dangling. Yep, Jared? Yeah, it... When Into the Spider-Verse came out in 2018, that easily skyrocketed to the top of my Spider-Man list. Um, 
but you know, I don't think it would be there without all the other movies that came before it because there's literal callbacks to it throughout that first movie that are that are fun and winking and you know having fun with itself and that just adds to the enjoyment overall but uh yeah into the spider-verse easily number one number two it's probably gonna be this movie but i do i'm a big fan of uh the tom holland films and the john watts films um homecoming with michael keaton just because the reveal in that movie was just a great, a great kind of jaw dropping moment that I didn't see coming, probably should have, but uh, it's the prom sequence and you know the play on like being nervous around your prom date's dad, you know if you're a guy and things <laughs> like that, or you know uh, whoever your significant other is is for that night and their their folks. So. Soft spot there and No Way Home, again, just playing with everything that's come before it and having an appreciation and doing something more with it. So it's like, yeah, if I can stretch it to a top four, probably, man, <laughs> No Way Home is probably number four. It could, depending on the day, maybe it'll edge out uh, Homecoming. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, the more I was thinking about it, I was like, I think I have a top. Four is probably where I would go as well. I, I have a real love for the Tobey Maguire ones. Sure. Um, I've probably watched the first Spider-Man. I don't know how many times it's it's up there for me. Um, but I would say that that one, the second one, the Alfred M- Molina, Molina one. Is Doc Ock, yeah. Um, no Way Home and Into the Spider-Verse are probably the four that I would say. Um, yeah. And And – I mean, I think Into the Spider-Verse was really a good way of, like, introducing us into this world that I think my – like I said earlier, my biggest issue I think was just how chaotic it was. I think you get that creativity that you get in this movie, but it's scaled back a little bit, and I think I enjoyed that a little bit more. Um, And then uh, I just absolutely love both – Willem Dafoe and um, Alfred Molina. So yeah. they're separate movies. And then when they're together, together in No Way yes, Home. Exactly. Um, are so great. Um, <clears throat> also, I, you know, I acknowledge that, yeah, Spider-Man 2 forever and probably still is heralded as probably maybe one of the best um, comic book movies. Yeah. Uh, it's it's up there. If I had a top five, it would definitely round out my top five. That's just my personal taste. Yeah. But That's I the do. one that I, I think like feels it. the most like a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so well loved, especially mm. the operation scene. Which, if you if you haven't seen the second Spider Man movie, I no. you should check it out. Okay. the 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 surgery scene mm-hmm. is a mm. horror movie. It I is do like terrifying. Yes. All right, I do like surgery um, scenes, so I will look this up. It's yeah, it, it's pretty fantastic. Um, but that would be kind of mine. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say this is a pretty, a pretty solid franchise. I mean, we had that yes. stretch of Spider-Man three, amazing Spider-Man, amazing yeah, Spider-Man two that were all pretty rough. I, you general. know what? Shout out to my friend, Ryan, who is an Andrew Garfield Stan. I mean, and he's good. Yes. And I give him that credit. I do. Um, yeah. Mark Webb. I mean, it's in his name. That's a great name. I know. I know. I just felt like he couldn't pull off those movies. But my friend Ryan, like Spider-Man is his favorite comic book uh, character of all time. He's related to him since he was a kid. And 
the Amazing Spider-Man films one and two are his favorite, and like he, fe- yeah. he feels like Tom Holland is um, like this, you know, like Damien Devil Child compared <coughs> to like this true representation that Andrew Garfield was of Peter Parker. But that's you know what I will say is so you've got Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Got his start in horror. Yeah. You've got Mark Webb, who got his start in romantic comedy. Yeah, but you know, it that when you see the other it, side of Five Hundred Days of Summer, it is JGL kind of a is uh, pretty creepy. <laughs> but then you have uh Watts, John who Watts, also yeah. got uh, his start in with Clown. So also a horror director. Mm-hmm. So what is that? I mean, <laughs> if, if we haven't sang the praises of horror movies uh in general, um I think that's just right there. That's that's it right there. Um, so next episode, have we talked much about what we're thinking? I know that that Asteroid City comes out like in two weeks or something like that. Sure. I think it's not this weekend, but the next weekend. Um, for list. anyone who is listening, uh, Lexi and I are having a baby. So that's at All the right. end of July. Yes. Um, yes. So... I would probably, if we have another episode, it'll probably, that I'm on, it'll probably be towards the beginning of July. Um, So I don't think a movie like Asteroid City would be completely out of the picture. Is there anything else in early July that you've been looking Um, at? You know, I am extremely curious about Barbie. Um, I am too. With Greta Gerwig, with the pedigree both behind and in front of the camera, it's hard not to be excited about it because I am. That's a huge weekend. It's Barbie and Oppenheimer that weekend. Uh, um, counter-programming to the max. It's, to the IMAX. <laughs> I am really interested to see who ends up winning that weekend. Yeah, Oppenheimer has been, I think it's over a three, uh, I don't know if the, I, I think the, ran, the runtime has been. right here. So let's It's also look. been slapped with an it R rating. It's Christopher Nolan's oh, first wow. R-rated film okay. since Insomnia. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, it, it's one of those things where Nolan is such a big name that I feel yeah, like, the and draw. they've been they've been hyping this movie up for a while, mm-hmm. that I bet it'll do well. But like Barbie both being something that people recognize right. and having the backing of Greta Gerwig as director and then her and Noah Baumbach writing the screenplay. Yes. Um, I mean. I'm, I'm hoping that Barbie could be a joint outing for me my and both my son and daughter to take mm. them to. I'm waiting on the official rating from the MPA. Yeah, who knows? Because it's like, okay, it's Barbie. It feels like it should be family friendly. But if you've seen the trailer, they have that <laughs> whole dialogue as far as like, I'll beat you off. Don't beat me off and things yeah. like that. And it's like, <laughs> all right, yes, my kids will not get that for many years. Like all the jokes in Ghostbusters <laughs> that I didn't get for many years. At the same time, you know, I don't know how my wife will feel about that. Yeah, That's right. yeah, right. <laughs> Did you see anything, Erica, that looked um, interesting? I want to see Joyride, which is a comedy. Uh, oh. But the trailers, like, it, it looks very funny. Um, also, that that movie Strays that I keep seeing the trailer for looks oh, ridiculous. Oh, yes. And okay. I want to yes. see that. Yeah, the R-rated talking animal movie. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Speaking, really of, speaking of R-rated comedies, Lexi and I are both kind of interested in No Hard Feelings. Uh, the feelings. new uh, Jennifer Lawrence oh, comedy yes. uh, that comes out in like it's two like or her three weeks. To the big screen. Uh, okay. uh, very complicated 
plot, you know. We, we are both very <laughs> intrigued by it. Uh, okay, I'm I've not been familiar with getting it. a lot of uh, previews for that on random social media sites. So I'm like, you know what? I I grew up in kind of the R-rated comedy boom. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to see where it is in comparison to something like that, um, especially since I think it kind of has some backing from some uh, – uh, I guess the director did Good Boys. Oh yeah, it's Gene Stem- uh, Stepnitsky, who um, yeah was heavily involved with uh, The Office. <laughs> um, you know, Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz. You know, I I enjoyed it. It's n- not much of a movie, but yeah. she she had a good turn in, and mm. there were some funny parts. He also created Jury Duty, the show on Amazon, which is uh, if I've, you've never seen Jury Duty, I've heard great watch things. it. Okay. It's yeah, so I've not good. Seen that. Very, very funny. Everybody tells me to watch it because it came out at the same time I was doing Jury Duty oh, recently. Oh, there you oh, go. That's funny. You can okay. compare it. Yeah, that's perfect. Um. <laughs> Let's see, I, I know I want to see God as a Bullet. That's definitely yeah. looks like it might be more of a horror action uh, kind of thing. Um, and what was the other? Oh, the blackening looks ridiculous. I, I know. See yeah. the blackening we, as well. I, I was going to say, I love the tagline. We can't all die first. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yes. very self-aware there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, that's one of those things where you hope that it's at least a good time and funny at best, but knowing it could easily it could go be, off the rails. Yeah, exactly. Awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that also that new A24 horror movie that's coming out as Talk well. Talk to me. Talk oh, to yes. me. Yes. That also yes. looks interesting. I've heard very good things about that. So if you haven't gotten it right, from now we don't know what the next one is gonna be that's why you gotta tune in right uh, hopefully we've seen a number of these and can at least talk to to some in the you know the the pre-show chances are there will be a few of these that will get brought up right. in the in those movies and probably some that you've never even heard of too um that's why you gotta keep tuning in but until then we'll see you at the movies This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding.